Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. Hello there. Welcome for welcome. Welcome for joining us. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah. hey, today we're talking about something called the hedonic treadmill and how to love what you already have. I first heard about this concept reading about Stoic philosophy. And it basically says that as humans, we strive for things for so long and so hard. It's often at the expense of our present enjoyment and satisfaction in life. And we think that once we get the thing that we're striving for, the new job, the the girl, the car, the new toy, whatever, then we will be happy. But the treadmill, it says that once we get that thing, we only experience momentary satisfaction only to be replaced by more wanting and more striving. Mm -hmm. And so it's this constant treadmill of wanting more and more and just never feeling like enough or never being fully satisfied. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about how to get out of that. Yeah, or at least how to become aware of it. Mm -hmm. Because it it seems like, to me, this is a natural human state of growth and striving. And it's, I think there's like a small difference where I feel like some people think that if I don't want more and I don't want to achieve, then I'm complacent. Complacent. And I think there's a difference between, well, I know there's a difference between being content and being complacent. Mm -hmm. Where complacent in my mind is, I am gonna be where I am right now and I'm not satisfied with it, but I'm just like, okay. And I'm not gonna do anything about it. I'm just gonna live in this state that I don't love, but I'm not gonna do anything about it. I'm not gonna take actions to change. And I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna be complacent. I'm gonna be uh, yeah, consistently dissatisfied. Whereas content, I feel like is being okay with where you are, but still wanting more and still wanting to grow and still wanting all of that, but still just being happy and appreciative and grateful for where you are. I wonder if the distinction is between a feeling and actions. To me, complacency has to do with the actions that we take Mm -hmm. and contentedness has to do with an internal feeling. So I can be content, but continue working on growth Mm -hmm. and following curiosities. And if I'm following my passions and my curiosities and having fun, I'm going to learn, I'm going to grow. Mm -hmm. And thus I'm probably going to be more successful. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. And so I don't know that we can completely get off of the hedonic treadmill, but just being aware of it and noticing it can help you tap. What I'm trying to do is I notice it and then I tap back into being content. Yes, I agree that I don't know if we can get off of it. However, I don't know that I agree that it's an innate thing in us. I think that marketing and culture have so much to do with this. We are constantly marketed with new products and services and things that we're told will make our lives better, more meaningful, more fulfilling. And we're in a culture that 
has believed those things for probably hundreds, if not thousands of years now. And so it feel, I think it probably feels innate because we were born into this cult, a mm -hmm. culture that believes those things. But yeah, I'm, I'm I wonder if how much of it is like, you know, we felt that way in tribal times. Like we always wanted more yeah. to store more meat and right. berries. And, and in tribal times was there, you know, that guy has the prettier woman or the he pick, he got a bigger tent, and, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is that they had or his he's can build bigger fires. I, when I have a bigger fire, my life is going to be better. You know, yeah. I just wonder how much of that is like a natural comparing game and leads, you know, I wonder how much of that is there. And currently though, I, I could see maybe then it, it could help with survival in some capacity. Like, oh, you know, I need to want more things to be safe. But now everybody is safe. Everybody has, most people have their baseline of things that they need. And the striving and the comparing is more detrimental to your mental health. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I could be totally off. Anyway, the some of the reasons we want to be able to get off of this treadmill are obviously just enjoying our lives and mm -hmm. feeling feeling some sense of contentedness. Um, it also gives us more space and time because we aren't constantly filling that with more with more like striving and trying to accomplish things. Like we can actually chill and relax sometimes. Mm -hmm. I also think that you will take better, you know, you'll take better care of the things that you have and you'll be more grateful. Mm -hmm. And um, we don't want to be in this constant state of feeling like we're not enough. We don't have enough. Uh, and I'll be happy when. Mm -hmm. And I think we all kind of logically understand that and can still get stuck in the trap anyways. Even though we know that's a trap, we can still end up there. Mm -hmm. And this also helps us avoid feeling constantly anxious, feeling less than other people, helps us actually be okay with stillness and solitude. It seems pretty helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like to me, being content is the absolute holy grail. Like I'm happy and grateful for where I'm at, but also want to grow and strive and achieve for more. But that growing is not making me feel less than. Mm -hmm. The hedonic treadmill is like a, I think the most common analogy used is usually with a car. Like when we first, when, when we're maybe teenagers or early adults, any car will do. And we want it so badly. And maybe we save up, you know, money that we've been given as gifts growing up and we're just we just cannot wait for any old car it could be a complete junker and we just tell ourselves when i get that car i'll be okay like then i'll be happy mm -hmm. and then we get that car and then we are so elated and pumped for a month a year and then almost without without fail i've never met a person that doesn't feel this me uh, you, that you are not that way. That's true. <laughs> You're that's definitely true. not that that's way. True. I, that's <laughs> I like, true. I think you like to tell yeah, yourself. I that. do. I try to convince myself I am. Um, then, I, you know, say after a year, then it's like, oh, this thing, there are some shitty things about this. I could definitely do better. And you get to work to start saving up more money 
because you need the next next best car. Mm-hmm. And this time, you're going for a Honda Civic. <laughs> nice car, but like very, you know, like basic practical. car, practical car. Mm-hmm. And then you work your ass off for that for the next two, three, four years. And you just tell yourself, when I get that Civic, life will literally <laughs> be perfect. Yeah, I'll have the perfect car, then I can be happy. And then you get that car and you are just so elated and life does feel perfect. And then after a month or a year, some things are not that great like, about that car either. I could, I could get a forerunner. Forerunner, <laughs> I could get a Mercedes. Yeah. You want a nicer car. And then it just keeps going over and over and over. And we just do this with so many things in our lives. I did this when I got my first truck. I was just so freaking pumped on my birthday when my parents got me this truck or my dad handed me this truck down. And after a few months, I was like, oh man, I have to have some speakers in here and I have to have an amplifier for the speakers. So all of a sudden there was like this, this, this tension in my chest, like it's not perfect until I get these. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, just like the example I gave before, it just kept going. Like I needed more and more things for the truck. And as I got older, I needed like a, a, a nicer car. And, and it's crazy. It's crazy too, because it probably impacted your experience driving the truck. Like as soon as you wanted the speakers and the amplifiers, every time you drive the truck, you're thinking about this truck would be so much better if it had amplifier and speakers. So then you're now in this truck, which previously was the sickest truck in the whole world and the best thing ever. And all of a sudden it's not. And all of a sudden you're, what you're noticing is what it's not and what it Mm -hmm. could be instead of being grateful for what it is. Yep. This comes up in my life. We just laughed about it beforehand. Was we just recently bought a house in in Austin, and it's amazing. Like we love this place. We're in the best location. We we're like so happy. It took us a long time to find this place. And I walk in our neighborhood. We have such a cute little neighborhood that we walk in, and there's a house down the street that's like so beautiful. And I call it my dream house. <laughs> She started doing this like a month after we bought this house. I was not happy. He was so upset with me calling it my dream house. And it's just, it's it's like part of that thing. I do, I really, I really notice it coming up in myself. And I'm like, no, I love our house. I remind myself, I love our house. It's so perfect. There's so many amazing things about it. But it, it crops up. That's why I feel like, when I mentioned, I don't know if we can get off the treadmill versus just noticing it because I walk by that house and I'm like, damn, that's just such a beautiful house, you know? Well, maybe you should practice some of these steps that we're about yeah, to take okay. a little more often. Cool, <laughs> cool, cool. I will. So like Adi was saying, this is just a part of our lives, whether it's innate or just a part of our culture, this is a part of our lives and our thought process these days, but also is our ability to overcome lots of primal urges for pleasure and for comforts. So this is not something that I think we're just stuck with and going to be at the mercy of for our whole lives. If we if we d- work at becoming aware of it and take some steps to practice gratitude in our lives and practice loving what we already have, I think we can get a very long way. Yeah, I feel like even though that does come up for us a lot, we we play games sometimes to try and overcome the hedonic treadmill. So like I'll give one example. 
before we get into like our categories of things to do, one example is I drive a Honda Civic. I actually love my Honda Civic. I love it. And Michael used to have a Tundra. And when you had your Tundra and I had the Civic, we'd be driving down the street. And anytime Michael would see the same Tundra drive by. Any any Tundra. (laughs) Any Tundra. Any Tundra that would drive by, he would be like, I wouldn't be paying attention. But Michael would say, babe, babe, babe check out that sexy car that's driving by. And I would look and it would always be a tundra and it would just make us laugh. But I think that's a little bit of this reminder of, oh my gosh, what I have is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm looking at, or a Civic, and then I started doing it. I would see the exact same Civic that I have and I'd be like, babe, don't look too quick, but there's the sickest car driving by. And it would remind me that my car is amazing. Like I love the car that I have. And sometimes I tell myself that I cannot be convinced to want a different car. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there, of course, are moments where I see a forerunner and I'm like, wow, that's the car. (laughs) (laughs) That's my dream car. When I get the forerunner. (laughs) But... I more often am tapped into like that is a sexy civic over there. Uh-huh. Something just came up for me. <laughs> um there's this concept that our language forms our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So the words that we use externally become the words that we're using internally. So saying things like, I love my car so much, even if it's in a joke. Um, well, Faking it until there, you make it. If there's, if there's truth in it, then I think that does have an impact on our thinking and our beliefs about what we already have. Right. There is, there, there has to be some truth in it. And I think it does tap you into that. Like, I do believe that I have the most amazing car. And could I convince myself that I want a forerunner? Yes. But I also, there's a piece of, I do believe so much about this Civic is the best car for me. Mm -hmm. And it's also the one that I have. So it's worth it to continue to tap into why it's the best one because it is the one that I have. So yeah, let's get into talking about some other ways to do this. Yeah, so here's here are a few things that we try to practice from time to time to love what we have. Mm-hmm. Number one is something called negative visualization. So this is also a stoic principle. And a lot of different like religions or philosophies have some version of this. But basically what it is, is it's imagining, it's taking anything that you're grateful for and then imagining yourself losing it. And this is a... This is not just a an arbitrary thought experiment because at some point you will lose everything that you love. Mm-hmm. Everything in your life will leave you everything at some point. Everything is temporary. And so it's bringing to mind or bringing to paper something that you love, like a a partner, someone like a relationship that you have, uh, a house, a car, a career. And then spending some time either reflecting in your head or on paper what your life would be like if you lost that thing. It's actually such an amazing practice. If you have a job that you consistently notice yourself hating and you're not going to quit the job. So you're staying in this job and you consistently notice yourself complaining and thinking about, oh, if I had that job, I would have the best life ever. Take a second and or an hour and imagine yourself losing that job. And let's say you got fired in this moment. What what feelings would come up inside you? What fears would come up? How would what, that affect the rest of your life? How would that impact the rest of your life? And doing this negative visualization 
allows you to realize the things that you would miss about the job and the things that you're grateful for about the job and the opportunities that it affords you and how it helps and supports all the other aspects of your life. I do this a lot imagining Michael dying. I don't. Mm. I just very consistently imagine you dying. I don't know why. It just like pops up. It's the it it sometimes pops up when I'm just maybe a little nervous or overwhelmed. I imagine it just like pops up like what what would my life be like if Michael died? And it really centers me in just being grateful for the fact that I have you and that you're here and Honestly, I think about how everything else in the world doesn't matter as long as you're here. And it's like, I could cry thinking about it. She's but. tearing up a little bit. <sighs> but yeah, it makes it makes me like so grateful for you as a partner. Like if you were if you weren't here, I wouldn't care about anything else in my life. And just my life's gonna be okay as mm-hmm. long as we're together. Can we make a pack though? Make <laughs> sure you keep feeding shy. <laughs> and Odie. <laughs> and Otis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so negative visualization. Imagine yourself losing that thing, that person, whatever it is, and then realize that you still have mm-hmm. him, her, the career, whatever it whatever it is you were imagining. And just let that sit with you. And what tends to happen is like a, a huge wave of gratitude mm-hmm. for what you have. Another thing is another Stoic philosophy called practice called self-denial again lots of different practices have some version of this some things that could fit into this category are intentionally sleeping on the floor for a week not eating out for some period of time eating only plain foods with no seasoning um, don't drink or take any substances for a period of time don't sit in chairs for some amount of time and what we're doing is we are we, we are removing some of the luxuries and comforts that we're used to to remind ourselves that we don't need them. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Mr. Money Mustache, somebody who we also love his thinking and the ways that he teaches, talks calls it voluntary hardship. Where I think there might be a slightly different use, but go ahead. Yeah, maybe he's talking about making something a little bit more difficult intentionally, but kind of a similar purpose where you're making something that doesn't need to be difficult, difficult so that you can appreciate what you already have. Mm -hmm. And it also shows you that you're capable of a lot. Mm -hmm. And doing these types of practices, which we've done consistently in our life, it really does make you grateful for all of the things that you do have and Also, for me, it helps me realize that I would be okay without them. Mm -hmm. So instead of being on the hedonic treadmill going in a forwards direction, I realize I could actually go in the other direction and I'd be okay. Mm -hmm. And it removes a lot of fear and anxiety for me. It is so grounding. Where it's very grounding. Like uh, so many of the things that I have in my life could be gone and I would be totally fine because I consistently think about, imagine, visualize, and practice removing those things from my life and realizing that I can still be happy. I can still be content. I can still feel full. And these things don't provide those feelings for me. Mm -hmm. We call them stoic challenges. Mm -hmm. So it can be anywhere from a few days to months. Um, I've heard of people going and renting like a tiny little shack in the middle of nowhere where they have like very little stimulation or entertainment 
And it just reminds you like you don't, all of the things that we work so hard to afford, we don't necessarily need them. Mm -hmm. And it gives us so much, it can give us so much peace of mind. And when we come back to having all of those luxuries and comforts, we are so grateful for them. Yeah. I feel like it also can help the striving come from a place of I'm already okay, not I need to get these things to be okay. And they're in order, coming from that place of I need to fill something, um, I need this to be happy, you might be sneakier about the ways that you go about things or you might break the rules a little bit more or, you know, just do things that don't necessarily 100% align with the kind of person you want to be versus I'm already okay with everything I have, if not less than I already have, but I want to strive and achieve because it's part of my purpose in life and it's something I'm passionate about and it it just it's it's just part of who I want to be versus mm-hmm. something that I need to right, have. Right. And then lastly, well, almost lastly, but almost yes. lastly, pra- you can practice gratitude by just taking better care of what you already have. Mm-hmm. You show gratitude for the people in your life by giving them your time and your attention. By mm-hmm. taking care of the relationship, you take care of your, or you practice gratitude for your car by washing it, by cleaning it, by really tending to it. I, I think I l- learned this concept when I was reading about parenting that we start to we we love in part we love our kids so much in part because we take so much care for them, and actually the taking care of them precedes the loving them. So because we've spent so much time and effort on these kids, we love them more, we appreciate them more. That was like a huge shift for me. Like the harder I work for something, the more I will love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that happened for you with Otis too. Michael, Otis is our dog. Michael is not like the biggest dog person ever. And he likes some dogs. And the dog was definitely... I pushed for the dog and you now absolutely love him so much. Well, and I he's bet he's a good boy. You know? I, I bet in large part because you take care of him Yep. and you make sure that he's okay. And you just, it gives you an opportunity to get to know him. I do this with my car. I, I learned this, this practicing gratitude or just appreciating what you have from, from you and also from my previous partner. So my, my ex used to say things like, I, everything I have is the best. Like he would just say that very consistently. And I, it's like one of those things, you know, when someone says something to you, but you note it and it just sticks with you. And he would always talk about how the things that he had are the best things because they're the ones that he has. And I don't know if he was consciously understanding what he was doing, but it really stuck with me. And I want to believe that everything I have is the best because it's the things that I have. And what you're talking about of just taking better care of your things. You also taught me when like the things that are in your car, you you get rid of the trash that's in your car. Keep your car clean. You would always keep your car clean. And you didn't like that I didn't keep my car clean or I didn't keep the house clean. I was so messy when I first met Michael. And he really taught me to do, to take care of my stuff. And it helped me really appreciate them a lot more. And now lastly, go ahead. I... Yeah, the lastly, that's kind of what I was just talking about, the fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. You can tell yourself that you absolutely love the things that you have. And like we were talking about earlier, only a little piece of that needs to be true. Mm -hmm. And you can just make that little piece grow and grow and grow. 
This is something that is very present for both of us in our lives. Uh, we're constantly working on being more content with what we have. Uh, in fact, that is Adi's word of the year, content. And when we practice these things, we feel so much more at ease. We love our lives more, and we just don't feel the same pressure to drive and strive for, for more constantly. So I think if you... If you consciously make this a regular practice in your life, you can expect to feel those same feelings. Uh, Adi had to step out. We just got a package that she's signing. So I hope this was helpful and have a great day. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on Instagram at workingagainstgravity. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and refer a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.